All right, y'all, welcome back to another episode of the Good News Cast. As always, great to have you listening. My name's Colin Coates, here with Jeff, Jeff Hatton, um, pastors at Redeemer in Waco. Today, we just uh, did a couple episodes on uh, ways that we are tempted to justify ourselves, ways we are tempted as Christians, um, Christian or not, to make ourselves acceptable to God. It's our conviction from Scripture and experience that that is a a deep deep uh temptation for all people and and also depending on where your church background is that can be a heightened reality for you or not um anyway that's something we kind of talk about a lot it can weave in and out of episodes um as it's just so core to the gospel and believing the gospel and things like that we're going to turn our attention now to talk about uh, how to read the bible and really get into some of the basics and by basics, I don't mean, um, I mean, basics that it's like we use when we read the Bible or prepare a teaching or sermon, anything basics, you have to have nailed down. Um, otherwise you're, you're kind of, uh, um, potentially going to go in wrong directions as you read the Bible. So we're going to try to start with, um, uh, what I think is maybe a good anchor in how to approach the Bible today and then kind of go from there. Uh, so we'll, we'll start like this, which is, uh, we, we were trying to hash through this before we hit record. Um, uh, we all bring to our Bible reading, uh, an assumption about what the Bible is about. Um, so you might come to the Bible and, and believe B I B L E it's basic instructions before leaving earth. And so whether you're reading Genesis or the Psalms or, Colossians, your big idea always is this is somehow teaching me something about my life and how to live and how to love God, how to glorify God, how to love other people, how to be obedient. That is the big idea at the end of the day uh, throughout the scriptures. Uh, So that's one uh, way, that's one uh, big idea assumption you could bring to the Bible. We all bring something. The question is, what is right? And what is going to lead us in the right direction? Uh, if you I said this before we hit record, if you think that Harry Potter is about this guy named Ethan Hunt who gets missions from, you know, mission control to save the world, um, should he choose to accept them? If you think Harry Potter is about Gandalf in a ring Uh, if you think whatever you get the idea, uh, you are going to be extremely confused. You're going to get some points. You're going to get some truths and some ideas, but you are going to be so confused of how to put it all together. Yeah. It's going to be getting like a thousand piece puzzle, uh, that maybe you accidentally get some stuff right, but there's just no way you're going to put together the puzzle to figure out what the big picture is. Um, I think that's a good way of, of thinking about, okay, when I come to the Bible, what do I think is the big picture of this puzzle? Yeah. How do I put Genesis, the Psalms, Jonah, Micah, Matthew, Colossians all together? And and whatever that big picture is, it generally will fall into either two types yeah. of speech acts, right? You're either going to have law or you're going to have gospel. So you're, you're going to piece together a whole kaleidoscope of ways in which the law... Uh, is trying to be activated, whether through mm-hmm. characters or through spiritual techniques or spiritual disciplines or um, just specific practical how-tos and biblical principles that are discovered in the text. They're generally just going to kind of mm-hmm. circle in that area. That's really good. And 
Yeah, so we're thinking about, like, how do we read the Bible? Where do we start? You come to the Bible with a pair of glasses, and it's, I think it's an interesting question to ask, does the Bible actually give us a pair of glasses? Does the Bible give its own, like, all right, here's the central subject. Mm-hmm. Um, to filter it. Yeah, here's how it. you, here's, the, here's a hermeneutic. In other words, the Bible gives its own hermeneutic. Here's how you read me. And uh, it would be interesting to see if that's the case. And I do think we have that case. I, I think we have that case in Luke 24. I think we have that with those folks going to Emmaus. And, you know, Jesus is resurrected. Jesus uh, has finished and completed, apart from the ascension, his package. I mean, what's going to happen now is how is he going to reveal himself to the church? What's the pattern of encountering Jesus? How do you know Jesus? How's Christianity going to spread? What is Christianity? All that's happening right now with these two guys that are walking on the road to Emmaus and Jesus shows up with them. And so now he's going to reveal himself to them. So whatever he's going to do, it's going to be the paradigm for the church. Here's what the church should do. How is Jesus going to reach these two people? How is he going to show himself to these two people? I mean, that would be the pattern, the paradigm, the method uh, that all of us should be using. And it's crazy. You know, he could have done a, a, a resurrected miracle, a glorified Jesus-type miracle. Mm-hmm. It's me, you know, mm-hmm. and had a Gandalf-like experience, you know, and, and a power of the ring experience. Or he could have just been like, hey, fools, hey, hey, will you look at me? Mm-hmm. It's me. Mm-hmm. Um, and he could have used persuasion and he could have used reason. He could have done that. But it's crazy to me. It shocks me every time, even as we're talking about now. Here is the risen Christ, the king, the champion, uh, and what he's going to do to show himself to two lost people that just quit the ministry because Christianity just died when Jesus died in their mind. The mission's over. It's done. I'm leaving the ministry is he holds a Bible study with him. Mm-hmm. And then we're told that from the beginning of the Bible to the end of the Bible, he interpreted it. He did exegesis. Uh, he did hermeneutics. He, he interpreted in light of himself. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then there's that great line right in the midst of it when they came to them senses and they, they said, did our hearts not burn when he opened the scriptures to us? Um, so here we got it is according to Jesus, the way Jesus read the Bible is he says it's about him, that he's the central subject, that the storyline of the Bible is is the story of Jesus. And he either, in that story too, he either was saying that the whole Old Testament, um, in, the, in the Old Testament, in the scriptures, in their scriptures, um, there's a couple prophecies about me, you know, these couple random prophecies that I would come and let me show you those. Yeah. You either think that, but the rest of it goes back to me. The rest of it's about me, but there are these random times where it's like, Hey, you know, the son of God's going to come or, or the whole thing is the big idea of the whole thing is Jesus. Yeah. Right. Um, and, and that's what you're saying. That's what I believe is that that's, that's the idea there is that mm-hmm. he's saying this whole thing was about me. You know, you, you should have known, you yeah. should have known that I was going to come and suffer and die and rise. I mean, that's, that's the whole thing with Peter of, of going, no, you can't suffer. 
And Jesus goes, you know, get behind me, Satan. You know, that just even as we're talking about, it's so true because he didn't rebuke them because they didn't believe what he said. Remember, he, he had said, hey, in three days, I'm, yeah. I'm going to die. So he had told yeah. the disciples multiple times, I'm going to die, mm-hmm. and I'm going to rise. I'm going to die. I'm going to die. Uh, and he didn't rebuke them. He rebuked them because they didn't understand the Bible. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That the Bible talked about these things. The Bible talked about me. The Bible talked about I must die. He goes, of course, I've, it's in the Bible that I had to die. Crazy land. Yeah, isn't that where he says slow to slow in heart? I can't remember to yeah. believe. Yeah. Uh, what's been written in the scriptures. I could be getting that wrong, but I think yeah, that's Yeah, no, that's he, exactly it. it you, was, didn't, you didn't believe what you were reading. Yeah. It, it, it's not like, hey, you know, you're not believing what I just told you four mm-hmm. days ago mm-hmm. or in the last year of my ministry. I've been telling you this is going to happen. He didn't say, how can you stupid? He didn't rebuke mm-hmm. him for that. Is You don't get the Bible. Okay, so we're saying we're saying okay if if a sixth grader or a sixty five year old says I'm having trouble with the Bible, which by the way if you're having trouble with the Bible, like welcome yeah to join the club. the club join the club. Um, I'm having trouble with the Bible and I just I really don't even know how to start. Like I know how to open it, yeah. but honestly the second I start reading it's like I have no bearings. Right? It's yeah. like I am flying an airplane thirty thousand feet in the air and with no instruments. I don't even have a compass. It's like I know it's a plane. I know yeah. I'm in the air. I know it's the Bible. I know how to read English, but I have no uh, compass. I think this is a good place to start to say, to say, okay, we've got these different specific texts that indicate that the whole thing is revolving around this hero, mm-hmm. rescuer, redeemer, warrior, sa- savior named Jesus. Mm-hmm. I mean, really just lock that in go okay all right i'll test that premise yeah as i start in genesis one and i do my bible reading in a year plan or my bible reading in a decade plan you know Mm -hmm. i'll test the premise that this whole thing is not about me because you really like you said you have two options Mm -hmm. it's about basic instructions for me and how i should live and who i should be that's the law it's either about the law and it's revolving around the law or as one uh, theologian said that the law is uh, in the Old Testament a great misdirection from God. This, this oh, you, you know, you thought you could keep it, right. but you need a hero to come yeah. to redeem you. Or it's about Him. I'm going to test the premise. It's about Him, and now I'm going to start reading. Yeah, I've got the I've got the artwork of the puzzle. Now I've got a thousand tiny pieces. Some of them it might take me a decade. Yeah, to figure out where that how that thing fits. Right. Um, so let's, let's do this. Let's talk about maybe we've been preaching through, uh, you've been preaching through Jonah. Yeah. I just did Joseph. Uh, we can talk about David and Goliath. Let's maybe even start with Jonah. You crack open Jonah, this short book about this prophet. Um, is Jonah about a lesson in failure to disobey God and how I should listen to God when he speaks to me and obey his word and how, you know, Jonah didn't love the Ninevites. He didn't want mercy for them. And, oh, I should love my enemies and have mercy on them and want mm-hmm. to see their salvation. I should follow God closely. Otherwise, like, I might end up in a big fish. Is that the basic way to understand it? Or is there a, 
a bigger, more biblical way to understand it. Yeah, so this is really, really helpful that we're starting this place. So if you're you're going to read the Bible, I, I just think like for me, thinking visually, just even thinking visually is so helpful. So it's almost like um, I want you to take a text like Jonah and just say text, you know, have your Bible open, say text. What are you going to do? How are you going to read it? You can go from that text, Jonah, David and Goliath, Nehemiah building the wall, you know, or the law, like go, go right to the law, go to the Ten Commandments or go to Genesis and just, you take a text, any text that you're reading and do you take an arrow from that text and immediately go to you? So you go from the text to you. That's an, and, and what do you mean by that? Well, you know, maybe that morning you're just reading and it's just intuitive. You, read the text and you realize, you know, Joseph, you know, you go to Joseph and you realize, dang, he has a dysfunctional family. Mm -hmm. His dad's playing favoritism. What's up with the robe? And you start thinking because you're going to go from that text, Joseph, to you or to Jonah, to you. And you're going to be like, man, I've got a dysfunctional family. So you make that intuitive connection, text to you. And then other people in other traditions make that same leap. They go from the text to them, but it might be more experiential. They might be more interested in the spiritual experience in that text, mm-hmm. literally stated, or just them reading it and what they're feeling, and they're going from the text to them. Another tradition might be like, hey, study the character. What are the good characteristics of this person? What are the bad characteristics of this person? Text to you. Another tradition might be like, hey man, we're really into deliverance and there are there are steps to deliverance. So what step is Joseph in? You know, it's almost like he's doing a 12-step program. Where is he? Is he at step one, step two? And they've gone from the text to them. But also it's interesting is they just put a hermeneutic, a big mm-hmm. idea in there, right? And then you can, I mean, you can just go through almost all traditions that we're all familiar with and even uh, ourselves and how we just kind of intuitively read it. Um, that's going from the text to you. Uh, we're saying, and that Jesus is saying, we're going to get to you. You're going to get to me because obviously it's a book that God has given to us. It's his word to us. But the greatest impact and the ultimate meaning to where you're actually cutting with the grain of the text and moving where the text is actually going is go from the text to Jesus mm-hmm. to you. Mm-hmm. Now you're now you're unleashing the divine energies in the text. Now the power of God's gospel, his word is is being released into the text. So just thinking of that conceptually can help go from the text to Jesus to you, well, what do we mean? Well, there's lots of ways of actually... Do it with Jonah. Yeah, let's do it with with Jonah. Jonah. All right, so we go to Jonah, and we got... um, All right, so Jesus actually does it, right? It's crazy is that he's with a bunch of church people, religious people, and Jonah is a church book. I mean, Jonah was a superstar pastor before this event. I mean, he led one of the great... Um, national recoveries of Israel. Um, so he was very popular. Uh, and But after this Ninevite thing, he kind of, like all celebrity pastors, uh, he fell. It was He lost his popularity, let's just say. So Jesus is 
having his ministries with a bunch of church people, church leaders, and they're now, okay, give us a sign. Give us a sign of God's power. Give us a sign of God being personally, actively present in you, Jesus, and in your ministry and in this world. Give us a sign. Uh, And he did the most unexpected (laughs) sign of all, right? You would have thought he would have talked about Moses or linked himself to someone that was more heroic, Abraham, uh, even David at that point. But he actually went to um, Jonah mm-hmm. and said that he is the greater Jonah. Mm-hmm. Crazy. So right there, we're told from Jesus that the way that you're ultimately going to understand the meaning of Jonah is that it's ultimately about a greater Jonah. And so you have um, almost like a stick figure pattern Mm -hmm. of Jesus in Jonah that Jesus steps in and fulfills. Mm -hmm. And so being the greater Jonah uh, is a hermeneutic. It's a pair of glasses. It's actually telling you ultimately how you're going to read the story of Jonah because Jesus says it's ultimately about me, but it's about me, the greater Jonah. Mm -hmm. So that's one way. I mean, we can get down into the nitty gritty weeds of each passage, but I think conceptually, if we're just trying to talk conceptually, I just want you to think of even like an arc. You got, you're going to start with a text, the original historical meaning, but it's that text is already arced. It's already connected to the ultimate redemptive canonical meaning, the storyline of Jesus. So no matter where you are, like at Jonah, it's ultimately connected to Jesus. Mm-hmm. He even said that, I'm the greater Jonah. Right. So if we go back to like uh, the Harry Potter illustration, you got seven books of Harry Potter. Mm-hmm. Each book has its own storyline, but each book contributes to the overarching meta narrative of yeah. Harry Potter and Lord Voldemort, right? Even in book one, the Horcrux shows up. You have no idea what that even is. But by the time you get to book six and seven, you know exactly what that is, the whole storyline. Another great illustration is uh, the movie of The Sixth Sense. Mm -hmm. That boy told that cop, Bruce Willis, right at the beginning, I see dead people. Mm -hmm. That had historical, legit meaning when he said it. But at the end, when you get the final and full revelation, you realize Bruce Willis is dead. Mm -hmm. That I see dead people had a surplus of meaning. You're dead, Bruce. Mm -hmm. And now that you've put on the final and full meaning that Bruce Willis is dead, that pair of glasses, you can go watch that movie and see more. That's what Jesus is saying. It's all about him. You put on a pair of glasses. Now you can look at the Bible and you're going to see more. Well, this is also, if you think about this very practically too, um, you know, humanity has been faced with the same question, know it or not, uh, since the beginning, which is who's going to save us from sin and death? Like, let's get to the core of the problem that, that people have been asking, wondering about up until today. How am I going to be saved from sin and death? Who's going to save me from sin and death? So this was the question before God's people. So you go, okay, yeah, we we definitely have the best clarity, Have Jesus having come. Um, you know, we get to the I see dead people moment. Now we can reread the whole Bible and go, oh my goodness, you know, like yeah. I can see so much uh, more clear. 
right? Now, before Christ, they don't see as clear. Yeah. But but think about it. Think about uh, God's people reading Jonah and perhaps asking that fundamental question, like, who's going to save me from sin and death, you know? And they're reading this story um, of this uh, prophet called by God on this mission who, you know, in the middle of a storm is sacrificed into the heart of the beast, the mm-hmm. heart of the storm, swallowed up in darkness um, so that everyone else can be saved, you know? And it is it is not a big leap to go, oh, oh, I see what God, I think, is saying here. I think he's saying <laughs> that we and our sin and guilt are on that boat, mm-hmm. right? I'm talking about that specific story mm-hmm. uh, from Jonah. We are on that boat in the midst of this guilt and sin, and who is going to save me? It looks like someone is going to be sacrificed. Yeah. And, and, and you go, well, where did the concept of sacrifice? Well, that's already back in Genesis 3, right. when God makes a sacrifice, takes animal skins, clothes Adam and Eve. Like already in the beginning, we already have this massive theme of sacrifice. So, oh, it looks like a, a man perhaps is going to come and be sacrificed and thrown into the heart of the beast and swallowed up in darkness. And then he's going to come out alive to save me. Now, of course, it's not Jonah. Jonah can't do that. Right. He's he's in the belly of the fish for his own sin. Yep. I need someone who goes there for my sin. Mm-hmm. So Jonah can't do it. The bulls, the goats can't do it. I even, as you were talking, I was even thinking of the story of Cain and Abel, which yeah. we just kind of think how that think how the New Testament deals with that story. It says that the um, the blood of Abel was crying out this word of judgment against Cain. Yeah. So we can read that story and go, okay, Cain kills Abel. And his blood just cries out judgment. And if I'm honest with myself, I'm not Abel. I'm Cain. I should identify myself with Cain. I am a sinner. I am a murderer. I am the problem, just like Cain. And I'm either left with the blood on my hands and the blood in the ground crying out against me, or perhaps I need a sacrifice whose blood cries out mercy and grace. And maybe that's why we have a hard time even seeing judgment Jesus, the sixth sense of the Bible, mm-hmm. right? In places like that, because we don't readily identify the human condition has already been set in the Bible right. and it's presupposed in every right, story right. that you're the that you're king. The bad guy. Right. So we get to yeah. David and Goliath. Why why aren't we saying we're Goliath? Right. We're the Philistines. We naturally think we go from the text to us. Right. Why do we go from David right. to us? Right. But maybe just even flipping that around, that it is about sinners. Sinners are being addressed in this Bible, yeah. that immediately the redemptive storyline gets even more clearer. Yeah. So you get to Jonah, if it is about sinners, and then even that is crazy because you have Jonah does not want to run towards sinners, mm-hmm. but Jesus does, right? Mm-hmm. So jo- Jonah's running away from sinners, mm-hmm. Jesus is running towards sinners. I mean, there's so many... So many themes. Which even even that raises that um, whole idea of God, you you need to send someone better. Yeah. Because God, you want to have mercy on all these Ninevites. Um, Ninevites? Yeah. Uh, Jonah doesn't. You need to send someone better. Yeah. You need to send someone who wants to save these people, who wants to go into the belly of darkness yeah. to save them, you know? 
Um, but even, even the Cain and Abel story, again on that, it's, it shows that even such a small story, the New Testament will pick up and say, the blood of Jesus is crying out a better word. Yeah. So it's like, oh, even, wait a minute. Wait, what? Cain and Abel? Cain and Abel was trying to say something to me about a sacrifice to come that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. It speaks a word of mercy and grace. Okay. Please, yeah, please hear us. We're not saying that the original historical meaning doesn't matter. We're saying the exact opposite. We're saying that that original historical meaning so matters because it has its yeah. its meaning in that original place, but it also has a surplus of meaning that connects ultimately to Jesus yeah. and his salvation. So it's even more meaningful, yeah. right? More so than what the authors maybe even knew themselves in writing it, yeah. right? Um, that that God knew, as you said, if he's if he if he's a legit author of the Bible, we believe he is. Yeah. Then then yeah, he knew better. You know, even as even as the uh, authors he's using are writing. Yeah. Um, so again and again, I mean, we could just, I mean, we could do it all day, right? right. Like Abraham is picked up by Paul to be like, let me explain justification. Let's yeah. turn to Genesis and Abraham. You yep. know. Um, but again, it comes back to that. I think have once you have that picture of the the puzzle, you have that anchor. You know, and even if you're like, well, I don't even know if that's the anchor. I would my advice is okay test it Mm -hmm. put it put it to the test you know because listen if the bible is basically just basic instructions before leaving earth like i'm up a creek Mm -hmm. because i just can't figure this thing out like i i there's so many instructions dude and i'm just constantly failing yeah and not only that it's like abraham has his instructions moses has his david has his and it's just like and then the instructions sometimes have to do with god and sometimes have to not do with god i mean which yeah. ones are you supposed to appropriate and then and then the holy spirit oh my if you're if you're trying to activate the holy spirit's work mm-hmm. in the bible mm-hmm. good luck i mean it's you're on an endless yeah. basically yeah. The meaning of the Bible can stretch as far as your imagination and yeah. as much as you want it to. And you have to pretend because yeah. if if you're not constantly going, I'm the problem, like David and Goliath, the honest answer is, um, I'll be totally honest with you. Not only am I not David, I'm not even on his side. Yeah. I joined Goliath's team. Yeah. I just found myself standing behind Goliath going, <laughs> get him, Goliath, kill him. Uh-huh. Right? If we're honest. Yeah. It's like, that's, yeah, that's the point, you know, like you need a champion to come and save you. Right. And you're not even on the good team. You are the Ninevite. Uh You're the, you're on the other side, son, you know, Mm -hmm. um, I think this gives a good picture. Maybe in in coming episodes, we'll get a little more technical uh, to talk about, you know, technical tools of interpretation. But I think this is a good starting point for someone to crack open the Bible and start to make sense of it. Yeah. So just think again, you go from text to you. Or do you go from text Jesus to you? Even though we might not know exactly how to do that and how to do that in every text, that is what the Bible is ultimately about. So we want to learn, and that's why we're doing this. We want to grow in reading the Bible, cutting with the grain of the Bible, reading the Bible with the way that Jesus read the Bible. Very helpful. Uh, All right, until next time, guys.